Today's show is brought to you by Qualcomm. At Qualcomm, inventing comes first. The rest of the world innovates on top of Qualcomm's foundational inventions. To learn more, visit qualcomm.com slash we invent. Today's show is brought to you by IARPA's hybrid forecasting competition. Sometimes ordinary people can predict the future better than the experts. Now is your chance to find out if you can super forecast. In this competition, thousands of participants will produce geopolitical forecasts with help from cutting-edge artificial intelligence, algorithms, and crowdsourcing. Registration is open for a limited time. Learn more at hybridforecasting.com. That's hybridforecasting.com. Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. You're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or just visit recode.net slash podcasts for more. Today, we're going to play an interview I conducted at the 2018 Code Media Conference. Let's take a listen. So we've had a lot of interviews lately in the past uh, month. I came yes. to YouTube. Uh, yes. You interviewed me. Yes, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, and then I interviewed you on the TV show, and now we're here. Um, so let's just uh, go right into it. Sure. I'm going to start. One thing we didn't talk about on the TV thing, and we did talk a little bit at YouTube, mm. was Logan Paul. Mm. And I'm using him as, as, as a, an example of uh, just awfulness on your platform. Mm. Um, so... <laughs> um, <laughs> Why don't you just, you, you have, explain what you've done, and I'd really like to understand why you haven't absolutely kicked him off your platform. Yeah. <laughs> well, to start, our platform is, has three main constituents. It has our users, our creators, and our advertisers. And what we've right. seen is, is that if there is someone on our platform, our creator, who does something really awful or any kind of egregious behavior, that affects everybody. Right. And so with, with Logan Paul, we've actually taken two actions. Um, the first was a removal from our premium monetization and then um, a, a um, hold of all of the original shows. Right. Um, and then due to um, more a, a pattern of um, really... Um, egregious behavior, we decided to suspend monetization on, of his. Right. Um, now, we think that's actually a pretty strong statement in itself. And then more, like, just to get away from him as an individual and talk about the platform as a whole, we actually, on Friday, announced the fact that we were going to have a new set of um, uh, kind of a code for our creators mm -hmm. who do egregious actions in terms of removal of premium um, monetization, that we, they could be removed from services, they could even be removed from trending, um, and watch next in other areas. And we felt like that was really important to right. be able to maintain the, the responsibility on our platform of... Right, but again, why not just throw them off? Like, what, what is, where is the, like, it, it, you have how many children? 83 children, right, at this point? You have a lot of kids. If, once they, they do things... You, you I'm not sure something. children is the best analogy All right, because okay. like, you All do right, want to okay. keep your children. Um, yes. But, okay. but <laughs> right, like I wouldn't want to throw well, them out if they do something bad. Right, but okay. I hear you on this point. And, right. 
I mean, look, we do terminate accounts all the time. Right. So we do have a three strikes rule. And if somebody violates three times, then we actually, we terminate those accounts. And we do that all the time. And we always try when we think about our actions to make sure that we're being consistent. Right. And what, whatever we're doing, we're applying. that you're not consistent, right? No, we, well, we, they might complain about that, but we try our very best to be right. consistent right. across everybody. Okay. And um, when someone does violate our strike, if they have three strikes, then yes, we terminate that. Right. Um, the problem is when someone will do something that is egregious, but it doesn't fully violate the policy, or they get you know, one strike, but not three strikes. And so that was actually why this announcement that we had on Friday we thought was really important, is it does give us a lot more levers and opportunities to be able to implement um, and pull back any kind of services for creators if they are violating um, or doing something egregious on our platform. But he, basically, to answer your question, like he hasn't, um, he hasn't done anything that would cause those three strikes. And so we can't just be so, pulling people off of our platform. If we right. did just pull people off of our platform because they're tasteless and vile. Well, they need to, they need to violate a policy right. and we need to have um, we need to have consistent behavior. I right. mean, this is so like a code let's of law. Get to that. Let's get to that. Why don't you, sh you can always, you're Google, you can change the rules, right? Like yes. you can just say, now we're doing this. Yes, but, but like what you think is tasteless right. is, is not necessarily what someone else would see as tasteless. And so I'm just saying we need to have consistent laws codify that in our policies right. so that that can be trained and we comply consistently to millions of videos right. and millions of creators. So that gets the idea, and you, you and I talked about this. I'm not trying to give you a hard time. It's sure. just like you, you, you're running what is essentially... Do you think you're running a media company? Well, we are a technology platform, okay. but the output of our product is media. But and are so you a, me a new kind of media company? Would you even accept that? Because I think it's not just you, and I think Facebook is even worse. They run away from the idea of themselves as a media company, and I think I know why, because then you have to impose values, right? We talked about this when we were at YouTube, mm -hmm. and I think my argument to you was, at some point you have to have a set of values and that's it. Like you, and you don't. People don't want to pick values because then you have to make choices, really hard choices. Well, so we do want to have. We do have values, okay. and we always have had community guidelines, and we've always said these are the behavior that we think is not appropriate. Right. right? And so we look at what people do, and if they, again, if they violate those policies three times, we kick them off the platform. We right. terminate accounts all the time, and uh, there what, are many what, people who think they should not have been terminated. Give me an example of someone three. What have they done? Oh, there are lot. I mean, there are lots of things. So, um, you know, promoting um, promotion of drugs, um, mm -hmm. promotion of um, hate, um, um, violent activities, um, um, releasing people's private information, mm -hmm. um, adult content. Right. Um, I mean, there are a million ways, we, and we outline this on our site. Of right. these are all of the different right. um, guidelines, both to be part of our community, and right. we outline very clearly the strikes. Right. So, you know, if someone does something that is really distasteful, right. um, we look and say, is this distasteful or did it violate a policy? Right. And we can change the policy, and we right. constantly are changing, and we constantly are updating right. these policies. Do you ever imagine that distasteful is enough? Because here you are, I think you're building a media company, I think you have a media company. And so it seems to me that every week you're just gonna have, you're gonna open a drawer and there's gonna be another horror show for you. Like no matter what, because you can't, 
you, can't, you must be like, oh, Jesus. I think one of your employees actually came up to me and said, that used to be all squirrels and cats, and now it's a college ethics debate every week at YouTube. Like, it's like, should we do this, should we do that? What do you do when you have this much power over people's communications, and yet, well, you don't want to kick people up. We want to be a platform, or a benign platform is how I think you all look at it. So first of all, we want to be fair, right? So you're, you know, you're saying like this is distasteful, this is horrible, and you know what? The thing is, we need to codify what we see as distasteful in our policies, and then we need to have that be very clear for mm -hmm. so that we're not just saying, oh look, this is distasteful, and kicking it off of the platform. And then I think the other thing we need to do is like um, consult also with experts too. So we're starting to do a lot more of understanding you know, sort of where do we draw these lines? Mm -hmm. And also remember, we're a global platform. Right. And so we might have different values here in the US, but then you go to India or Thailand or Vietnam and they have a different set of values. And so we also have to be sensitive to those areas. So, so look, we, we think that having those values is very important. And that's actually why we felt like on Friday when we announced the fact that now we had a new set of of um, services and benefits and privileges that we could tell creators ahead of time, look, if you do something egregious on our platform, these are the things that can be so, removed. So and they see, always knew that they could have their account terminated. Right, right. But essentially what you're doing is slowly suffocating them. I mean, that's, you know, yes. No, we're yes. not, no, we're not, no, we're not slow, no. I Quickly think, suffocating them, no, what? <laughs> When you take away the monetization, a lot of taking away the monetization is really powerful in right. itself because, right. look, that's that, it's a business, and right. so, um, but, and if some there are you know content that we will remove if it violates our policies, and again, if they have the three yeah. strikes, okay. we'll. So, so how you do this? One of the things you guys just hired uh, ten thousand is that ten thousand people? Right. So we're in the process of of having ten thousand people that will. Uh, be looking at controversial content right. at Google. So to get faster. Now, as I said to you when I was interviewing you recently, like you need a million people for the, how many trillions of videos are every five seconds? Or it's some enormous number. So we have 400 hours uploaded every minute. Every minute, which is a lot. Yes, it's so a ten, lot. That's a lot of work for 10,000 people. Yes. Yeah. Um, luckily, it's not all being done by so people. So you're going to do some with, the, with computers and AI. and Yes. So where is that in the... How do you feel about that? Because again, that's the combination is still probably not enough, correct or not? Well, we think that 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 uh, the combination of that many people and the machines will really help us to be able to manage the content on our platform. And if it's not, then we will add more people and we'll also add more machines. Okay. And it's really important to have both because the people train the machines, the machines do that work at scale, and then the, machine, and then the humans double check the work of the mm -hmm. machines. Today's show is brought to you by Qualcomm. At Qualcomm, inventing comes first. When they connected the phone to the internet, Qualcomm's foundational inventions created the mobile revolution. And now as Qualcomm leads the world to 5G, their inventions will enable new industries and the next great product the world can't live without. Qualcomm is inventing the tech the world loves. To learn more, visit qualcomm.com slash we invent. I also want to tell you about Too Embarrassed to Ask, my other podcast, which I host with Lauren Good from The Verge. That's me. 
Every Friday, we answer your questions about consumer tech. Lauren, what did we talk about last week? We talked about how it's impossible for you to put down your phone during the duration of our podcast you know taping. What? I am an important because person. Because you are addicted to tech just like <laughs> everybody else we know these days. We talked about tech addiction, compulsion, obsession, yeah. lots of different terms for it. But this idea that uh, we as human beings are getting very, very, very attached to our devices, but also some of the companies that make devices and applications we use are are designing them in such a way that we can't put them down. We can't. Slot machine of attention. It's like being at a, you know, you just want to click on the buttons constantly. You want to just click on the buttons. So we talked to a lot of really smart people at this week's Code Media Conference. We asked them about their tech obsessions and their tips and tricks for how to break those habits. Yeah, it's really important. It's going to be a big topic over the next year and it's something tech companies really are going to need to face. All joking aside, it's important for our society of how we handle this amazing group of innovations and how we use them responsibly. It was a great discussion and we hope you'll go listen to it. You can find Too Embarrassed to Ask on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Too Embarrassed to Ask. See you there. All right. So the other controversy, obviously, you got into, and then we'll move on to your other businesses, but That's controversies okay. are so much fun, um, <laughs> is, and you're very good sport for it, um, Russia stuff. Yes. What have you been doing to ensure... Um, obviously, Facebook has gotten into more trouble for this, but and Twitter. But what are you guys doing to ensure that this doesn't happen again? Again, is this a machine thing, a people thing? What happened there, from your perspective? Yeah. Well, we're we're uh, we've looked really carefully at this, and uh, we talked about this before. But we we from our analysis of YouTube, what we've seen is there was a small set of ads, less than five thousand, and a and a about a thousand videos that all had relatively low view counts. So, um, you know, first of all, um, we are, you know, once we're aware of something, we can certainly look for that, identify that content, and remove that content. But the other thing that we have made as a change is requiring anything, any kind of news that is state-sponsored mm-hmm. to be labeled. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is who is funding this content. Mm-hmm. And we're actually doing this across all state-sponsored news mm-hmm. um, globally. So whoever is providing the funding for it, it will now be labeled that way. Right. And then, and are you worried about this, these next elections or how are you what, what are you doing specifically for the midterm elections or even the next presidential election here in this country? Well, we think we're, I mean, we think it's something really serious and important to be f- focused on and understanding. And so, you know, I think from our, our systems of detection and um, looking at abuse, you know, these are all areas where we're certainly looking for that type of content. And we're focused on the transparency component. Um, and then I'm sure we're taking a number of steps, too, from an advertising perspective to make mm-hmm. sure that we have the right set of rules and regulations around that. So getting into advertising, uh, just yesterday, uh, Keith Weed is that from Unilever was talking about that idea of not wanting to advertise. And you have gotten a lot of, not you in particular, but YouTube and other companies of not wanting to be adjacent to um, what has been problematic for a lot of these advertisers. How do you address that idea? They, they, they really, and you, I know you all got attacked at Davos by George Soros, et cetera. Like sort of tech has is is been the punching bag for everyone now. How do you look at that? And do you differentiate yourself from Facebook and Twitter or are you all on the same troublesome boat? Well, we see a lot of value. I mean, I think there's some 
there are some issues that we all are looking at and we're thinking about how can we do better and we're taking them seriously, um, for, like news, for example. But I also think YouTube is different in the sense that it is a platform, first of all, it's a video platform, mm -hmm. and it's got a lot of really incredible information that people use all over the world from an entertainment perspective to an education perspective. And actually, I was surprised to see that we do a billion views a day of just educational material. Mm -hmm. And so the how-to content is really an important area. Mm -hmm. And um, But back to Keith Weed and to advertisers, I mean, we take their feedback very seriously. We're an advertising-supported platform. We want to do the right set of things to, to build their trust. They're building brands on YouTube. We want to make sure that our brand is a place where they want to build their brand. Mm -hmm. And um, we've made a number of changes based on the feedback that we have with them. For example, uh, our Google preferred lineup um, is going to be all curated now by and reviewed by humans. Mm -hmm. uh, the second thing that we're doing is we made changes to how our partner program works. So at the beginning of last year, actually anyone could be in the partner program. Mm -hmm. um, then we made a change to 10,000 lifetime views last year. Mm -hmm. And then most recently, we changed it to having to have um, 1,000 subscribers and 4,000 watch hours within a 12-month period. And so those are all examples of where we're making really significant changes because we want to be able to work with advertisers and make sure that they can come back to our platform and feel comfortable and also provide the right set of tools and um, options for them to be able to be on the type of content they want because not all advertisers are the same. Some are like, we're very brand sensitive and some are saying, you know what, we're more focused on direct response and we're okay with content being a little edgier. Mm -hmm. And But do you, do you worry about that? And do you, what is it within the, you've been in Silicon Valley forever. Sure. Is there an ethos in Silicon Valley where they've let this go? I mean, I mean, I think, you know, I've called, I, I, I love Twitter, but it's a cesspool. Let's be, you know, you're yeah. swimming in a cesspool essentially. Um, and that's just my tweets. Um, but you, 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 it seems like Silicon Valley is very much doesn't want to address that idea of growing up. Do you think that's fair or not, some of the recent criticism? I mean, I feel like this year we've been really focused on growing up. Mm -hmm. And we have, I mean, Google is, Google is, um, how old is it, 19 years old, yeah. 18, 19 years old. And, you know, it's been an evolution, but I think the issues that we're seeing this year are very are significant and we take them seriously and we feel we have responsibility. And we are working really hard to figure out how do we address them, how do we build better solutions for, you know, all the different issues. Why that has up. that taken so long? Because I often find I, I deal with people and they, they, they don't understand their power, nor do they want to take the responsibility. That seems to be a persistent issue for a long time now. Or do you not agree with that? You may not agree with that. I mean, look, we're a platform, and when you're a platform, you... Uh, and one of the great things that we've done is we've enabled so much new types of content. We've enabled all these voices mm -hmm. that before never had an audience. Um, we talk about the diversity of audience, the diversity of content, all these wonderful benefits that have come out of having an open platform. And so, yes, we take the responsibility really seriously, but if, if you're going to say we're going to go above and beyond the law and we're actually going to say here are these guidelines and we're going to outline all of these guidelines, like, you know, it's really important to figure out where are you drawing that line. Right. Um, and you can imagine, like, you know, there, there is this continuum, right? On one side is censorship, and on the other side is too much freedom of speech. And so right. you want to draw the line in a place that is 
the right place where you're enabling the you know, great discussion, healthy discussion, healthy points of view. But you can also go too far and censor content that really is important for the world to see. And mm -hmm. it's a complicated and very nuanced place where that line is drawn. And I think right. that's one of the reasons as platforms that have really encouraged freedom of speech and encouraged openness and open source and all these, mm -hmm. um, you know, all the amazing things that the web has done, mm -hmm. figuring out, oh, we're going to draw the line here. It's a complicated, uh, no, and something that has it. to be done really delicately. Yes, I get that. I get, I get that. But sometimes they feel like they don't want to draw the line at all. That they don't want, and have done very well financially not doing that. Well, we've always had community guidelines. We've right. always drawn right. that line somewhere because we have hosted content. Right. And as a result, you know, I think that actually has gotten that served us relatively well. Um, you know, we, and we had a period of flags, and users reviewed the. You know, they, and a user can flag a content, and then it's reviewed by a set of our reviewers. Right. But I think what has happened is, in the last year, the world has gotten more complicated, it's gotten more divisive. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Also, like we have gotten bigger, and the combination of all of these things coming together have meant that we need to go back, we need to look at our policies, right. exactly. we need to revise them. And look, it's really complicated. Like, where do you draw the line? How do you define, um, you know, what types of, um, what what types of, you know, certain yeah, type of product, it. like harmful, like you know, guns, for example. Yeah. Like, where do you draw those lines? You know, if you hired me, I could draw the lines. But okay. No, I, um, I, I, I'm <laughs> sure. I'm sure if we hired you, you couldn't draw the lines. Oh, line. I could. No, you. Oh, I draw lines. <laughs> You do draw lines, but I think the thing that we've learned is one person alone is not enough to draw a line. What you really need is you need to go to the experts, you need to talk to the experts, you need to understand you know, okay. how to do this delicately, and then every country. Remember, like, we're yeah. global, yeah. and so we have to do this yeah. in all of these different okay. countries. All right, I'm going to move on to other things. You're, okay. you're, you're professional. I'm sorry to harangue you about this, but I'm not That's that okay. sorry. Um, but we do take it very seriously, yes, and I, I just wanted to make sure I, we communicate. I do get that. Um, your other content, professional content, yes. you have a lot of different services. Can we, can you sort them out for me? Because you have the live, you've got red, you've got, yes. where do you, how are you looking at the professional content you're creating? And do you see yourself getting into a business, like I think Apple just paid an enormous amount of money for the Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman show. Are, are you gonna wade into that? You guys have been a little, with your originals, a little smaller, or you hired an MTV executive? How do you look at that as a CEO? Mm -hmm. So we have two different services. We have YouTube Red, right. and then we have YouTube TV. And YouTube Red is a service that is really a music service. Mm -hmm. We have an amazing collection of music. We have all these music videos. Um, and then on top of that, it has the ability to watch all of YouTube ads-free um, with the background right. and offline services. And then on top of that, we've actually been uh, doing a number of YouTube originals. So we've done about 50 YouTube originals. 50. Yes, and in, the last, in the last two years. And we started out doing shows mostly with YouTube personalities, mm -hmm. and we've expanded above and beyond that to doing more with music. Mm -hmm. um, for example, we did Demi Lovato, mm -hmm. Simply Complicated, and, and we did this um, four-day live with Katy Perry. Um, and then we've actually also been doing more drama uh, and other shows. So for example, just last week we announced that we were doing Step Up mm -hmm. with right. Step Up High Water. So um, we're doing something with Karate Kid. Mm -hmm. We're doing a number of different shows. And so all of these uh, shows are something that we're adding on top of this music service with Red. Then we have 
YouTube TV, which is really a more, I'd say, is, is the um, broadcasters with the YouTube and the online features so that you can um, search everything, you can get the recommendations, right. you can right. um, um, store anything in our cloud DVR, and so those are the two services that we have. So what do you, how do you imagine spending in the, the Netflix level money, the billions and billions? Do you need to buy a Netflix or buy a Spotify or something like that? How do you look at that? Well, yeah, they're spending lots of billions of dollars. Yes. And, um, <laughs> lots of, and you have eight, a few yourself. Eight, you all um, have some billions to, available. Well, I, I think our goal is to continue to increase what we're doing. So as we are building that muscle of creating content, we'll continue to do more and more. And we'll see what's successful. We'll see what our users respond to, what's driving subscriptions, what's being watched. And I think one of the really amazing things about YouTube is the platform and the data that we have. So we can actually understand like how many shows went to completion, how many drove subscription, how many drove engagement. Um, we can look on our platform and, and put out content for free for the pilot and see how people engaged in that. So we see that we have a billion and a half people coming to our site every month, and we can use that as a way to drive our users to our subscription products. But again, do I, I, you, you all would have been in the position to do a Netflix or an Amazon. Amazon went deep, has gone deep into it. Um, how do you, do you imagine that a place where you've got to go? Do you have to, do you have to purchase that or just spend that in those billions of dollars? Do you see yourselves, is that in your plan to do that? I know you're testing it, but it's small, for, for, especially for a, a company your size. Well, we're growing. Um, and with, so far, we've been really pleased with that growth. And so, I mean, you need to start somewhere. And I think if you look at both Amazon and Netflix that are spending you know, billions of dollars, uh, you, can't, you don't just start the ground running by spending mm -hmm. billions of dollars. You have to start with a subscription, um, a number of users, and from there, you can build it up. The other thing, though, I would say is, is that yeah. If you look at different content types, they have done, they being Amazon and Netflix, have done a really good job in the category of shows and movies. Mm -hmm. And if you look at content overall, there are many other areas of content. And YouTube has, and online, have brought new types of content that we just didn't have before on TV. So like I just talked about educational content, a billion views a day of educational content, um, music content. Um, vlogging content, mm -hmm. gaming content. Um, these are all health and beauty, mm -hmm. um, wellness, like, like yoga. So you don't see yourself having like a, a giant well, show? Well, so... Maybe. Well, a giant, I mean, depends what you mean by a giant show, but like we see... I'd local, say House of Cards we're not supposed to anymore, but House of Cards, sure. for example. I mean, I mean, we could, but I'm not sure that would further necessarily what we're trying to do at YouTube, right, okay. where as like our goal is to be, you know, a large you know, a leading video platform and have a large diverse set of content. And we feel like there are all these categories that no one else is really providing a solution to, and we can be best of breed there. The shows and movies is a very competitive space. It needs to be paid for economically with a subscription service. You can't just do the subscription service starting right. from zero. So we've been in red for about two years. We've been ramping up, and I think you'll see us continue to ramp up and continue to do more content and continue to add content that appeals to our, our audiences. So what would a hit on YouTube look like to you then? Mm, well, you know, I think a, a hit would be that we would see um, you know, a lot of the critical acclaim that you see with the hit. We would see high engagement. Um, we would see, you know, 
millions of people watching it. So I, mean, I think all of the traditional criteria. But not necessarily in shows and drama, that kind of thing. Not no, I was talking about with, with right. a show or a drama. I mean, we have lots of shows today that have millions of subscribers and millions of views and hundreds of millions of mm -hmm. views. So we have that all happening today. We just have that in the different categories. We have right. that in the categories I mentioned, as opposed to a drama. Like a like, big hit, like, like Handmaid's House of Tale. Cards, to use your example. Something like that. Would you like to have had like a Handmaid's Tale on your service? Do you ever see doing something like that? Well, yeah, I, I think, I sure, I mean, that, that would be great. Um, and well, all it takes is money and giving it to Hollywood people. Well, I, no, I, I, it does, I, I think you have to figure out, like, well, what are you doing that's unique in that area? And right. what, what, how can you use the YouTube uh, audience in a way that Netflix or right. Amazon are not using? And I think we tend to trend as a younger audience. We tend to trend music, for example. That's why something like Step Up was very mm -hmm. popular on our platform. And um, you know, also we're global. So mm. this year you'll also see Red expand into many more countries. We're only in five countries right now. Um, now that we've finished all of our music deals, we're going to actually be expanding to a large number of countries. How many countries? Many, like I don't know, a hundred. A hundred countries. All right, last question, um, and then we'll get to some audience questions. Um, Facebook. Yes. You and I have had this discussion for years. Facebook's coming for you. You're like. Mm. You know, you always, and then you hang up on me. Um, but they've been, like, great. Can I do that now? No, no, no. Um, <laughs> oh, Susan, you're going to be talking to me for years to come. Um, but we talk about that. Remember, we've, I've called yeah, you a million sure. times. Now, now Facebook's going to do it now. And yes. Yahoo tried it for 14 seconds. Uh -huh. Are you worried about them as a, as, as a video platform in, in a competitive way? I mean, you always have to take your competitors seriously, right. but you don't win by looking backwards and looking around. You win by looking forward and looking at your customers and figuring out what do they want? How can I be better at what, I, at what we do? And I look at YouTube and I look at the opportunity and we have a really wonderful ecosystem. And so you know, the priorities that we have for this year are you know, some of the things that we talked about, like building trust among our mm -hmm. advertisers and our creators, mm -hmm. um, tightening our policies, building more engagement, um, increasing the creator, the ecosystem that we have with educational content. Mm -hmm. And so we just see, we have this amazing platform. We want to invest in that. And so I don't know what Facebook is going to do. What do you think they're doing? I don't know. I mean, oh, come on. I, come on. I don't know what they're doing. I mean, you read the press and you, I read your articles about <laughs> no, what they're doing I and I read their analyst reports. And, yeah. and um, what would you be worried about if they did? Well, I'm not sure I would tell you because then they would, they would read it and then maybe do it. But I mean, I make something up. <laughs> um, no, I think they should focus on what they're focused on. I think they should get back to baby pictures and right. sharing. <laughs> and the quote of the night. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not an expert about Facebook. And right. so, like, they're experts in it. And, right. and they should do what's best for their business. Right. And, um, look, we should all compete for, for content. And I'm... I, I just don't, I, I build our business, I focus on what we need to do. I know we have a lot of things to do. Right. And I mean, you gave me, you can always remind me of all the things that we need to do. Right. And, um, 
uh, we're going to keep doing them because that's the way we're going to get stronger. Yeah, you're the CEO. That's why I remind you, just so you yes. know. And I'm well, thrilled you are, by the way, the CEO of YouTube. Questions from the audience? Go ahead. Hi. Hi. My name is Rolly Winlock. I'm from Webster.io. And we're a video platform for business. Tons of videos being produced on the, on the platform. And they want these videos, from a business perspective, to be out there on multiple platforms doing great work. When I tell them that I had this one-on-one -on -one conversation with you, um, what can you as the CEO of YouTube tell me that I can tell all these companies that is the future vision of YouTube for business, not so oh. much vloggers, entertainment, all those yeah, other things? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I'm really glad to hear you talk about that because I always feel this is a huge opportunity for businesses to have, in fact, I, I really think every business should have a YouTube page because they can talk about their products, they can talk about their services, and that's incredibly valuable. There's a lot of, anyone who's producing the brochure, anyone who's producing a how-to manual, anyone who has customer support, which is basically all companies in the world, could really benefit on having a YouTube channel and then pointing their users there. So, you know, our goal is to make it easier for businesses to be able to have pages, have YouTube channels, um, to create content, to connect with their, their users. And, uh, you know, I would just encourage them to keep giving us the feedback that they need to do that job effectively. Is, right. So right, we're gonna, we're gonna, we got only a few minutes, gonna ask everybody. Okay, go, yes. Okay, great, quick, okay. quick, quick. But great idea. I'm glad you're working on it. Hi, hi, Susan. You're, you're hi. an inspiration to, to me as a, as a business role model, but you're also an inspiration to my daughters. I have three of them. Um, the nine-year-old, she uses YouTube as essentially her search engine. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously the parent company, Google, is incredible at search, and uh, the search always comes up good, even though there's a lot of crappy web pages uh, on Google. When it comes to YouTube and she watches kids-oriented videos, and then the recommended list comes up, uh, there's some really disgusting stuff yeah, in there. Yeah, um, she and I have talked about this, yeah, this issue, the search problem. Yeah, it seems really bad, uh, especially when it comes to kids. And my kid is well under 13. She's not supposed to be able to see this stuff, and she sees it all with her high school, her uh, elementary school uh, login, uh, which is a Google-enabled login. So how can you make search better, Susan? You're, you're owned by a company that's good at search. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, just for a background, we have a YouTube Kids product. And so for everyone who's an, a parent in the room who's looking for YouTube or has questions about YouTube, I'd first point them to YouTube Kids. But then to address the question about search and how to make that more, um, you know, to remove the recommendations that are inappropriate for your daughter, a couple things. Um, you know, first of all, with search, we're working really hard to, um, you know, depending upon the topic, to be able to default to whatever are the authoritative sources. Um, that's especially important in a topic like news, um, to make sure that they're getting sources from the, you know, whoever is authoritative in that, in that space. And then, um, you know, we talked about the policies here, mm -hmm. like also making sure that, you know, as we go through and figure out, like, what's the content that needs to be removed, um, so, you know, we're working through this content overall to make sure that we have, are making the right recommendations to users related to you know, what their search is too. It's hard, without actually seeing it, it's hard for me to comment on any specific area. Like we're working to Just make- within every kid's category. Curious George, Elsa, 
type it in and yeah, you'll you see should. some really gross stuff. Yeah. Peppa Pig. I, I agree with you. It's a, it's a problem. So, okay. Well, so I'd ask when you've done that because we've been very focused in that area and actually removing that content or age gating it. And so if you have, I don't know if, like, if when you looked at it last, but we have been very, very active in removing the content or age gating it. So, and then when it's age-gated, it like shouldn't be recommended in that way. All right, very quick, we just yes. got a few more Hi, uh, Dan Unger with Surfer. Uh, Susan, Hi. what are your thoughts about OTT in the next few years and where are you, yeah, as YouTube, focusing? Well, I think OTT is a big area and that's why we haven't been investing with the YouTube TV. Mm -hmm. I think the next generation of viewers is going to want to have the features of the search, the on-demand, uh, mobile, cross-device, all of those, that functionality. And so I would just encourage most content providers to invest in an OTT strategy. So I see it as a huge area of growth for the long term. Thanks. Right, I'll try and make this super quick. First of all, sure. it's the first time I've ever heard you characterize YouTube Red as a music service first. Yes. Great start. Um, <laughs> I have a real problem understanding the YouTube original strategy, when you've articulated very clearly about the unique content offering that exists on YouTube and having these attributes that are rewarded like personality and authenticity and all these wonderful great yeah. things, to what end is it to put YouTube originals of big budget, you know, high things on that? I know it's behind a paywall, but it's still on YouTube proper. And I just don't get to what end. Well, the, the reds, originals are, will only have the first episode or the pilot on the free service. And but you're still on a YouTube channel, right? Uh, well, actually, so in YouTube, on the main page, you can go and you can actually see all of the originals in one location and, and browse them that way. So they are available in one consistent way to be able to search and to find within the product. It but, just seems like interspersing premium content there versus, for example, YouTube TV, which totally rewards premium content, seems, I don't know, strange. Well, so I think the goal, you know, when we first started this, we didn't have really any content, right? When you first start out, so having one page where you would have like 10 shows doesn't really make sense. And so it could have been that that original strategy as you saw it, which was more to intersperse it, made sense then. But we have built a dedicated area just for the originals for our users to find so that the red users can go and see like these are all the originals that we have. Okay, very quick. Peter's gonna kill me, go ahead. Uh, quick question on community. So YouTube talks about community a whole bunch. And I'm wondering, Susan, could you um, help like crystallize it by telling us how you define and think about community for YouTube. So what we see is the advantage of a digital platform is that you can have this two-way communication. And whereas TV was really about a one-way broadcast, you can have two-way communication with online video. And our goal is to encourage that as much as possible between the creators and the fans. And so that could be the comments, um, live, um, that could be even monetization, like sponsorships or buying their merchandise. Um, you know, we built this community tab where they can communicate with uh, text, photos, polls, et cetera, so that if you're a fan and a creator and they want to ask, like, well, what video should we do next, there's a mechanism for, to, uh, for them to do that. So would you say in the future, the ideal state is just more and more two-way communication between creators and fans? That's the opportunity that we see with online is to really build that two-way communication. And we believe that in the end, that actually makes a creator be able to do a better 
job and be more in touch with what their audience wants. And if you're, look, if you're a fan and your creator hearts your comment um, or responds back to you, like, I mean, that's incredible. And so we want to give more of those types of moments. All right, I'm going to let these last two, Peter, I'm sorry, but go ahead. I'll answer Just, them really fast. Hey, um, so what kind of person would you groom to run YouTube after you? Yeah, are you leaving? <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm planning to be there for a while. <laughs> Besides Kara. <laughs> uh, so, you know, someone who, uh, you know, I think it's, it's actually been more complicated than I thought. Um, I came from the ads background, and so having that ads background has been really valuable, but then also understanding the consumer component of it, and then also um, the media. So I think someone who has experience in all three of those areas is really valuable, and then lastly, someone who's just um, you know willing to always uh, you know be flexible and aware of what's you know a changing dynamic environment. My Curtis, last question. Yeah. Okay, Hi, last one. Uh, Kurt with Recode. Um, it's my understanding you guys have been in the running for NFL digital rights oh, for the last couple of years. Sorry, Kurt. Go ahead. Go good. Am I allowed to ask? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Kara's my boss, so I can <laughs> ask her if I. Um, uh, question is, uh, what is your, like, why is YouTube, what's your pitch? Why is YouTube a great place for NFL streams? And what opportunity do you see for more live sports moving forward for you guys? Well, I can't comment on any specific deal, but I will tell you why YouTube is a great place for live sports. Uh, we have a billion and a half users who come to our site every single month, and those are just the logged in users. And when we have any kind of live streaming event, it goes very, we have large number of viewers. There's an opportunity as we build out more of these engagement metrics. I mean, we just had the Tesla go to Mars. Um, I think we had a couple million viewers. It was our second largest of, um, viewing that we had seen. Um, we, all the, um, the inauguration, I mean, all of these have been large, live streamed events. And I think we could reach a lot of users with any kind of live sports events and also enable additional features for selling merchandise and also for enhanced viewing experiences. Do you want to stream the NFL? Sure, I mean, I would love to stream the NFL, but I can't comment on any kind of business relationships. Fantastic, Thanks. Susan, I really appreciate it. Thank I'm you. gonna come on YouTube now. I'm gonna create my okay. own channel. Yeah, actually, so while we're here, we're waiting for you. I'm, I hope next time I get to interview you on YouTube or you can interview me on YouTube. If you come and you start a channel on YouTube, I will come as a guest if you invite me. Oh, it's gonna happen. Okay. Thank you so right. much. Thank Susan. you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. For full coverage of the Code Media Conference, visit recode.net. Now that you're done with this, you should check out our other Recode Radio podcasts. On Recode Media with Peter Kafka, you'll hear no-nonsense interviews with some of the smartest people in media and entertainment. I also host Two Embarrassed Ask along with Lauren Good of The Verge, where we answer all of your questions about consumer tech. And on Recode Replay, you can find audio from all of Recode's live events, including the Code Conference and Code Media. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. And thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. We'll be posting more interviews from Code Media this week, so stay tuned. 
I'm Sean Ramosverum. I'm the host of Today Explained, a new show from Vox. It's an all-killer, no-filler daily news explainer that'll drop every afternoon. But not on the weekend. Our show's going to explain the news every way we know how. Clips, radio drama, maybe even a song. Today, today explain. Today explain. Subscribe now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen.